And we're live with episode 201. So let's just talk with this week's guest, Nicholas or Nick. Which one do you prefer, mate? Uh, Nick's pretty good, thanks. Nick's pretty good. And I want you to roast me as much as you want, mate, on uh, how I might even give you an attempt on your last name. But is it Brabot or how, how am I going? At? That's pretty good. It's how it looks, Brabot. Okay, fantastic. Where's that originate from? Uh, so my family is Croatian, um, but it goes back to France. So I imagine back in the day it was Brabot, potentially. Okay. But, and are you, are yeah, you first generation then out Croatia. in Australia? No, so my dad was born here, um, and then his grandpa, his parents were from Croatia, and then my mum is actually from Argentina. Oh, fantastic. So Absolutely. And you had a chance to get back to uh, Croatia? Yeah, yeah, I've been back to Croatia. I've been to Argentina a few times, and yeah, it's pretty cool having that, I guess, culture to explore. Absolutely. Yeah, I got to um, trip through Croatia back in 2006, um, it was on a very sketchy train ride overnight from, um, we went through Italy. We had to go through, I always forget, I don't know if it's Slovenia or whatever it is, kind of Italy and then Slovenia and then into Croatia. We're going into Zagreb and it was an overnight train and we were held to gunpoint um, via the customs wow. control um, who gave, we had myself, my best mate that I was traveling with and this English bloke that had said, I've done this route before make sure you have your um, passport like on you ready to go because customs control as we go through the border, I think, as I said, I think it was Slovenia, their gunpoint, they'll come bang, 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 passport. If you don't have it, they'll literally throw you out the window on the, on the dot. Wow. I'm like, shit, yeah, okay, thank you. There was another guy in there that had already fallen asleep before the train had even taken off and he didn't get that kind of warning. Anyway, they come banging in and this bloke was like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll get it. Hang on, hang on. They literally picked him up. It's like 1 a.m. in the morning. They picked him up, threw him onto the train um, kind of platform and the train took off. And it was just like wow. this guy was still in his yeah. undies kind of just waiting. It's like, yeah. hang on, what am I meant to do now kind of thing. So I'm very glad I got that. But, I mean, Croatia was phenomenal and um, it was a very welcoming place and we, we loved it. We spent Zagreb, um, Split. Uh, Havar, uh, Dubrovnik, uh, Dubrovnik, and it was a beautiful country and beautiful people. So it was a great, great time. It's a nice place, but it's a, it's a different world over there to Australia. Absolutely. Um, now, I, again, I've, I've said this a couple of times now. Uh, you're probably about the one or probably the third or fourth podcast into the kind of the new format that I'm rolling and um, I'm just trying to have more conversations with people. I think the, the art of conversation has gone these days, especially the last couple of years, people have been stuck at home, working at home, obviously haven't had um, the, the way to kind of talk to people in Rome as much as you are. And so I, I came across your um, page via someone else who had um, I've made contact with over here in Perth, who's a um, kind of surf photographer um, in Nigel. I think his page is, Alois or something like that. I can't remember exactly yeah, how he's been, yeah. but he, he Alois Parker. That's the one. Yeah. Um, and so I just kind of went down your your rabbit hole of your page, right? And um, I'm just trying to talk to as many body surfers as I can because it's uh, it's rare to kind of come across them. It's always surfing or you know whatever it might be. And um, obviously yeah. you seem to be pretty into it. And so I wanted to have a chat with you in regards to how'd you get into the world of body surfing? Why not surfing or boogie boarding or something down that? Yeah. Well, I um, I kind of. Well, I've grown up around the water. So I learned to surf when I was young, but my main sport was always water polo. And um, so I played water polo from when I was about six to like on and off uh, 
21-ish. Um, but I had a couple of injuries that really changed the direction of where I was going with it. So in um, when I was 18, I did my ACL playing rugby. And so getting back in the water, just that treading water kept on um, the knee surgery kept aggravating me. So I could never really get back to the level that I was before. Like I was playing first grade for the Cronulla Sharks. Um, and then from that, I just decided like Red Joe is pretty expensive to play a sport like that, especially if like I can't train properly and that kind of thing. So I decided that I would just go to the beach and I'm like, I love the adrenaline of being out there and in the ocean and, I have a bit of a, I love the big waves. So I just found it so enjoyable. And, um, and so I started doing that a fair bit more since I couldn't play rugby anymore. I, um, I ended up having a shoulder surgery when I was about 25, which is probably a buildup of playing water polo, cricket, rugby. I was in the front row as well, just like, my shoulder was just absolutely torn up. Um, and then when I was getting back from my rehab, which took forever, it took me like about 18 months till I could get back in the water after the surgery. Um, and pretty much the only thing I could do was body surf and go left on a wave because mm -hmm. I couldn't really use my right arm too much. So I could get away with just kicking myself out there pretty much swimming with one arm <laughs> and, and so I just started doing that and I was living near the beach there at Bronte and I just really started to fall in love with it I um I met a few crew of other body surfers and it's just like an awesome community everyone's so chill I feel like surfing is it paints this picture of super chill kind of guy but if you've ever been out there in the lineup Sometimes you can get a few guys that are a bit aggro. And, um, whereas body surfing, you're just like, you're happy with whatever's there. If it's small waves, if it's big waves, if it's closing out, if they're perfect waves, you're always just happy to be out there in the water with your mates. And that's something that really drew me towards it. I wanted to, I want to put a pin in that because I want to come back to that, um, that as you said, that um, kind of friendliness about it. But I, I have to kind of make mention to the fact that I, um, I was an exercise physiologist and, and people who have listened to this podcast will know that, but um, I was the rehab kind of consultant for um, a water polo team uh, down in Melbourne where I used to have my clinic. Um, and I have to say, water polo has to be one of the most vicious sports I've ever seen. Like it looks like you're in water, you're floating, you're throwing a ball around. Like it, on the surface level, it kind of looks like yeah. you know, a, a great game to kind of play, but it happens to be one of them. And the injuries and nails uh, like nail marks and kind of um, bruises and things that the girls used yeah. to come to their kind of rehab sessions and strength and conditioning sessions with every week after their games on the weekend. It's, it's absolutely brutal. Yeah. Like black eyes and everything. It's crazy. I mean, do you have, I mean, obviously you said that um, you've had a couple of injuries that uh, came from, was they, were they more injuries that came from rugby that obviously translated into holding you back in water polo, but have you had any major injuries from the water as well? I guess um, uh, definitely the ACL was all rugby. Yep. Um, but my shoulder surgery, I ended up doing like a rotator cuff tear in the supraspinatus and long head of the bicep. 
and it wasn't a tear off the bone. It was like through the middle. Mm-hmm. And the surgeon was saying that it's not a very common injury for, um, I guess, younger people. And that would have stemmed from just a lot of overuse. And like I used to train like 12 times a week and you'd be doing strength training as well as like endurance in the water. So there was just a lot of training and it was very uh, taxing on the body. So I imagine that my shoulder surgery probably eventuated from water polo. When I was younger, when I was about 14, I was having like really bad rotator cuff issues, ended up taking like half a year off and being that young and having rotator cuff issues is like not super common. Mm. Um, and then I've had a couple of like little, little things here and there, like a hyperextended elbow from getting into a wrestle and um, just the odd black eye and stuff. But <laughs> it's generally, I think, overuse injuries. I know a lot of uh, mates who have played water polo will get like hip overuse injuries. need like hip replacements and stuff pretty early on. Mm. Um, but besides that, it's been, it's been all right. Yeah. Yeah. And as I, said, I just want to put a pin on uh, that comment that you made with um, regards to body surfing being a much more kind of chilled environment because uh, I came from myself boogie boarding mo- mostly when I was uh, living in Melbourne um, down at Jan Jack Bells, Torquay, that kind of way is where I used to be. And then my parents moved down to um, Phillip Island. And so I used to be able to surf a couple of those um, different points and um, moving over to WA the first day I got to WA, I was like, you know, the water's going to be warmer. I can't wait to, you know, be in the beaches more, closer to the beaches and all those kind of things. I grab my board, I head out. There's a beach here called City Beach. Um, and there's like a groin that sits um, out on that. And it goes left and right off the groin. But mostly in summertime, it goes to the left and um, the other way in wintertime, just where the swells come in. But I come out there, board in hand. And I see a heap of body surfers out there, no boards. And I was like, this is really strange. Like, it's a really nice wave today. It's weird there's no surfers in it. I jumped in and every single one of them was like, oi, dickhead, get out of the water with your board. And I was like, hang on, like, what? What's going, what's going on here? And they said, during the summer times, they've been able to get the council to agree that there's no boards allowed within that particular break. You can go to other breaks with your boards and things like that, but that particular break, um, not. And so um, that was how I was introduced to body surfing. I was like, well, I'm down here. I might as well just body surf then today. And my idea of body surfing was kind of just catching white water as you know, you're, you're paddling in yeah. kind of thing. It was never truly like catching a wave properly, but I, I fell in love with it on day one. And like you said, it's it's been a friendly environment for the most. I have seen one punch on between two body surfers that just kept on dropping into each other. And the guy almost drowned him. He had to be dragged away wow. by lifesavers. Um, yeah. And so I, I've said these two things now that don't paint such a great picture about body surfers. <laughs> but for the most part, like yeah. you said, I've, I've had lots of surfers yell at me and I've had lots of boarders yell at me, but I've rarely ever seen, as you said, come from the body surfing community. Yeah, well, we have a... Um... Uh, competition coming up in September being held at Maroubra to be the Australian Body Surfing Classic. And it's like uh, 10 people from each team. And we've got like teams coming over from Queensland, Victoria, WA. And uh, it's like the biggest team body surfing competition. And like it's a bit of a laugh. We all get together. And the, the best part's probably the after party, <laughs> just the like surfers from around Australia to come out again everyone's pretty friendly with each other and have you had the ability to 
be internationally and in, um, doing it as well, or are you uh, mostly yeah. just at your local break? Yeah, a couple of years ago, I competed in the Pipeline Body Surfing Classic. Oh, wow. And that was pretty cool. Um, I didn't make it through the first heat, but uh, in my heat, I had Mike Stewart, who is the probably like the most famous bodyboarder of all time. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, he's also won like the most Pipeline Body Surfing Classics. And I think uh, he got named the most barreled person in the world he's just like always surfing and always getting barreled and he's like 50 years old but he just keeps going and he's so good amazing and to that point is like pretty much all of the blokes that um are out at this um and there's probably about three or four uh women that are out there as well they're all um it'd have to be at least in their 50s if not older um and the way that they catch waves it's just it I mean, I'm learning all the time. I've only, as I said, I moved here at the end of 2020. So, you know, we're kind of midway through 22 now. So it's about a year and a half I've been at it. And I think I'm getting better. And I, I, I tend to find myself on the position of the ways better and catching them better and things like that. But I could just sit, I could literally just sit in the lineup and just watch some of these older crew go around because they just do it so effortlessly and just love just talking to them when they're kind of waiting for their turn to kind of come around again. I just can learn so much. Yeah. Is that something, obviously, I mean, you're in competition, but were you able to kind of chat much when you're in that pipe um, competition with Mike? I mean, obviously, he, if you're saying, yeah, you know, he's one of the best. a little chat, but he goes into a competition mode when we're out there. <laughs> and it was pretty cool. Like, there's four of us at Pipeline, and it was like four to six foot, just perfect. You're just looking back on the shore, and you're like, this is pretty magical right here. And it'd be uh, almost non-existent to kind of only have four people in the water at Pipeline um, when days are like that, I yeah, presume. Yeah, it. that's what I mean. Like, yeah. On a day like that, there'd be 100, 100 boards out there. And I mean, uh, so I, yeah, I watch... a really good experience. I was going to say, I watch a, a bit of YouTube with you know, people like um, Jamie O'Brien and Nate Florence and the guys like that who I guess um, are gods of the Pipeline kind of um, setup. But I mean, how is it? with the actual reef itself like i mean it's obviously you know claimed as one of the most dangerous waves in the world and obviously that's a very shallow reef and the way it breaks and things like that is there nerves about even going on a, i mean four to six foot still quite large but i mean on a smaller yeah. day like that like is there nerves that go into it or you just kind of no this is well i think one of the main things that happens at pipeline when people get into trouble is the their leg rope wraps around like there's kind of caves in the reef underneath and um, I guess being a body surfer, you don't have to worry about the any leg rope getting caught, but you still have the uh, like it's it's hard rock and it's not that deep, so you have to be careful. Like a few guys will wear helmets when they're body surfing it, um, but the breaks that I surf here are also very dangerous. So I feel like uh, I feel like I've prepared myself pretty well for it. And where, where are you mostly surfing around where you're locally at? Yeah, so I mostly surf around, um, have you heard of Cape Salanda or Cape Fear? They had like a Red Bull contest there. Cape Fear rings a bell, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's probably like a metre or two deep and just like an absolute slab. And what's, and it, what's it breaking onto when you say it's a metre deep? 
Just straight rock. Straight, okay. <laughs> yeah, just like sandstone, just like, and uh, a couple of couple of oysters and things. But um, it's it's a super fun way, but it's pretty dangerous as well. If you've seen a couple of videos of it, stuff it just just battles super hard. Um, and I've gotten myself into a few situations there, but it's uh, definitely not the beginner's wave. Okay. <laughs> mostly around like the Cronulla, Cronulla kind of area. Um, but yeah, my mates and I will kind of go around and see which reefs are working and they're always generally pretty shallow and pretty sharp. So yeah, we've uh, got the experience in that stuff. And it, I mean, obviously it's been out a few years for you now and you're into competition. Was kind of getting into competitions is something that you, I mean, obviously a competitive person playing high level uh, water polo and obviously rugby and things like that. Was going into competitions, doing this, something that you'd always thought about doing as well, or as you just got into it and then all of a sudden you just, it was just a natural flow of someone said, Hey, there's this comp on the weekend. Do you want to come down? And it would kind of just flowed that way. Yeah, I think it's more of just a natural thing being part of like the body surfing community and like, having the opportunity to go and compete with the best body surfers in the world at pipeline is just something I couldn't turn away. Whether I do well or not, I don't really mind. I'm just happy to be there, happy to surf those waves. And, um, and yeah, like there was a competition we had in Newcastle on the weekend. And that was good fun as well. Just seeing like the, the Newcastle community up there and it's always, always a fun day. And what constitutes, like, I guess, a good scoring wave with regards to body surfing? Because obviously, I, you know, you look at surfing comps and you know, it's their their turns or how they, um, you know, how deep they guess, I guess, in if it's a barreling yeah. way. Like, what 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 are they looking for in competitions with body surfing? It's quite similar with body surfing, like how well you ride the wave, um, the style, how you ride the wave as well, if it's fluid and. There's also a couple of body surfing tricks you can do. The advanced guys are like doing front flips and still riding on the wave. You can do like an El Rolo kind of off the lip and land it, keep riding. One of the more common ones is just like a spin. Um, and then, yeah, I guess if you can make a barrel, that kind of thing as well. Um, there's You can do like a dolphin where you just like a dolphin would ride a wave, you like just go slightly under the water a little bit as you're going across the wave. Um, so it's just a combination of all those little things, very similar to surfing or bodyboarding. And how'd you go on the weekend? Oh, not too well, but okay. it's all right. <laughs> but as you said, it's not what it's always about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had fun. Um, are there some waves in the world that you would like to get to? Um. To, to be quite honest, like the east coast of Australia is absolutely amazing for waves. Um, one of the waves I really want to body surf is ship sterns down in Tasmania on like a smaller day. Yeah, I was going to say some of those like, um, can be huge. Smaller days there are like six to ten foot. It's just um, getting the perfect day is going to be difficult. But mm. yeah, I'd love to body surf it one day. Um, and the wedge in California. It's yeah, okay. Quite, uh, yep. It's quite famous for the body surfing community there. And I'd love to go there on a, one of the big kind of hurricane days and give it a go. Amazing. And um, 
I, I was obviously don't want to kind of sound like I'm stalking you there too much, but you're kind of perusing through your uh, your page. There's something that piqued my interest being a sweet tooth person. What's um what's peak chocolate? Yeah, so peak chocolate is like a I guess a, a functional chocolate. They kind of have three different um, variations of their chocolate. One's they're active. It's more for I guess it's similar to like a pre workout. If you don't want to down a pre-workout drink it's just like a little little block of chocolate it's got a bit of caffeine it's got a bit of bit of this and a bit of that okay and they have another one which is a peak focus and i feel that's more of a two o'clock in the afternoon you're at work sitting at the desk kind of having that little bit of a slump you're not going to have that coffee but this one's got um a bit of caffeine and a bit of other stuff to help with the focus and then they have the peak rest which is probably my favorite it's just got the the dark chocolate with a bit of magnesium and zinc stuff that helps you go to sleep i guess and switch off and um yeah i met the guys a couple of years ago and they were happy to have me on board as one of their um ambassadors i guess okay yeah yeah fantastic yeah i just it interest piqued my interest being a Pardon the pun on that, but um, piqued my interest on that. Um, just I, I had never seen anything like it, and um, you know, yeah. kind of going down that rabbit hole and kind of yeah, just wanting to find a bit more out um, on that. Is that something that is it just a direct to consumer? Can people find it in stores anywhere, or what's the? Uh, it's I think the best way to get it is direct to consumer, but it is in some like supplement stores and things. Okay. Yeah. If, and what keeps you what keeps you busy during the days, huh? Yeah. So I recently. Um, took my business full-time and we have an e-commerce store mm-hmm. and we sell uh, cat harnesses. And explain more. So if you want to walk your cat outside on a harness, our, uh, our cat harnesses are like the most escape proof on the market. Yeah, right. Kind of came up with it. Um, well, I was thinking about it for a couple of years. We were looking for a solution for our cat. Our cat's little little white cat and she's always been indoors and there's a big push around Australia to keep cats indoors because they do have a big impact on the native environment mm-hmm. they kill a lot of birds and native animals and that kind of thing and I guess you've probably realized through COVID that if you're inside all day long it kind of sends you a bit nuts and it's the same for cats so we came up with a solution that you could take your cat outside, even if it's for 10 minutes, 20 minutes or so. Um, and yeah, so we started that like a year ago and a couple of months ago, I took that full time. So I left my previous job and um, yeah, that's what keeps me busy. I was going to say, are you, are you come from a design back, like design background to kind of come up with something like that or my, um, my uh, family business that I've worked on and off in, is construction equipment higher. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I've always had that entre- entrepreneurial kind of bug and I've always wanted to do something myself. And uh, I guess actually going through the whole body surfing thing and I guess doing a few ambassadorships for brands and that kind of thing has taught me a lot about marketing and selling things. And so I've just, uh, I was keen to try it out myself and, I probably spend about six hours a day listening to podcasts about e-commerce and business and that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, so that's what 
keeps me going. I'm always looking for other like business opportunities and things, but at the moment the we're pushing the cat harnesses and you know, helping helping out little cats all around Australia. Explore yeah, yeah. outside safely. And we also donate like one dollar to wires every harness sold. Because we understand that the roaming cats do have an impact on the environment. So we try and help out there as well. Mm-hmm. And is that something that will kind of naturally bleed into dog harnesses as well or are you going to exclusively stick with cats or what's the we're we're pretty focused on cats i feel like the cats always get forgotten in products um like there isn't much out there for them so we're going to expand into doing other items for cats most likely maybe treats maybe other things and where i mean where does that start like i mean i wouldn't even know where to look or kind of even think about starting to kind of design a, a cat hunt? Like where do you kind of, is it drawing it? Is it you going to someone who is a design person? Like how do you kind of begin that process and what's that process been like to kind of get a product to market? Yeah, I guess it's looking to see what else is on the market and seeing how we could adapt that into our own product and then just linking up with the manufacturer and testing out a few variations, seeing what worked the best with our cats and testing them with a few other cats, seeing what people said about them. And yeah, eventually once we were locked in on the design and stuff, we took it to market. And, and how's the uptake been? Are, are people uh, really kind of yeah. flocking to it and enjoying it and um, giving yeah. you some good feedback? Yeah, definitely. The, the ones that try it, I think the main aspect of our business is we also provide like instructions on how to train your cat because most people don't know how to mm-hmm. or even if it's possible. But we've kind of developed these foolproof instructions that if you go, if you go by them word by word, like every cat's different, but it's always about taking it at the cat's pace. Um, and yeah, so we get happy customers because they teach them right if you just like throw it harness on the cat and like take it to the beach it's gonna it's not gonna like it very much Mm. (laughs) so yeah it's just like about ensuring there's a gradual process and um there's an initial i don't know there's some people that still think that you should let your cats roam outside they're like oh they're outdoor animals they belong outside but it's just trying to find that happy medium between the native environment and the cat's happiness i guess i mean i have to i have to say because i I love the idea of being kind of a a disturbance in the main kind of um system we kind of are in i mean you see thousands of people every way you know walking dogs but you rarely ever see people walking cats and i would say if i saw someone walking a cat now i'd be like gee that looks strange kind of thing but i mean if you're on the the front foot of that kind of making that a more normal thing to do and kind of promoting that and um whatnot i mean i mean it's great as you said i mean i think uh, i think pets are something that every family should have whether that's a cat or a dog i'm a dog person um from the day i was born kind of thing and always will be but you know whatever the pet is i think they're fantastic to have and so i mean yeah if you're kind of saving and helping out the environment around and obviously not allowing cats to roam and just do their thing and you can get them out and about i mean do cats enjoy walking on like obviously once they get used to it is it something yeah yeah they definitely enjoy being outside like we taught our cat when she was about five so it didn't even have to start really early and 
she if i pick up the harness she'll walk over to me and start meowing until i put it on then she'll walk herself to the door and she's like i'm ready to go outside yeah and um even if it's, she's just out for like 10 or 20 minutes she's just she's very happy and we find the same kind of thing with a lot of other cats and um you'll find with kittens they have so much energy that you just need to try and expel some of that energy before they get in the house. Otherwise, they'll be running around all night keeping you up. So we find a great way is to take them on a little walk each day. And part of the reason we actually came up with it is we went to a uh, there was this wild cat sanctuary where they had like a couple of cheetahs, a couple of servals, and um, their I guess uh, it's almost like a zoo, but not really. They only do like private tours and stuff and they make sure that the genetic pool for these cats is spread around the world in case something happens. And so we went there and they were taking each cat on like an environmental enrichment walk. And so they were saying if they're stuck inside their kind of cage or area all day, they just get used to that. So they actually had harnesses for their cheetahs that they would go outside into the open where they could explore new things each day. And they said that that's the best ways that they keep the cats happy and they live longer and that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, that was part of the reason that we, I guess, did the business as well. Does your harness have it like an extender lead to allow them to go out further like you see so many dog leads these days or is it quite a... We try and keep it nice and short because we want the owner to be in control at all times. We find that if you do have an extender lead, um, I guess cats can be quite skittish and spooked. And like if you're walking along the sidewalk or whatever and it gets spooked by something, it might still run onto the road if you're not watching it. So our leash is like 1.5 metres. So you're kind of always in distance of it. And if it starts to get a bit spooked, you can always pick it up and you don't have it running up trees and that kind of thing. So we just yeah. try and keep it pretty safe. We do have some customers that have, they end up buying the extender leash and that is for more like advanced cats that are very comfortable in their harness and that kind of thing. Awesome. Huh? Well, I mean, I wish you well with the uh, the business venture moving yeah. forward. Is this Is this something that, as you said, you'd love to, grow into a huge business that you do kind of completely full-time for the rest yeah, of your definitely. life or is it just kind we're, of the moment for now and see where it goes we're trying to push it so if we can expand in any ways it would be great as well oh man i, I wish you well with it and um no i appreciate that and I, I, i'll get all the um details off you from um obviously the things that we've spoken about today so anyone want to reach out to um uh, obviously those details will be below whether it's uh the harness or whether it's uh, peak chocolates or whatever it might be, um, certainly can get in uh, get in touch or kind of reach directly to those. It'd be great. So besides that, I also um, keep my day occupied with, you know, those ski ergs at the gym? Yep. Yeah, I'm quite into them. So I probably train about half an hour to an hour on them each day. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I hold a couple of the Australian records for them and stuff. So I guess anything that I do, you might see through my Instagram and stuff that I, I take it to 
do 100%. So if I'm going to do something, I want to be the best at it. So. <laughs> Yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna say, man. Next time I'm in Sydney, mate, I'd love to uh, catch base and we'll, uh, we'll go for a body surf somewhere. But, mate, uh, I think that you might be taking me uh, into places I don't know if I want to be with regards to uh, the, the ergos or the body surfing, because um, those ergos are nothing but, uh, nothing but pain. But I can imagine they'd be good for, um, you know, obviously the paddling and the surfing um, and fitness as well. Yeah, well, they, they, they translate so well to swimming, um, and I found that. Like I only started using them a couple of years ago and I found it like it's so easy on your knee since I've done both my ACLs. Yep. And then, um, and I found when I was training, uh, when I was younger for water polo, strength and conditioning wise, um, just that arm flexibility was never really there by doing too much weights. Where I feel like when I've incorporated the ski weights, I can get strong, but I'm still flexible. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I just really enjoy it. Sometimes you just gotta get on there for an hour. And, oh, Jesus! Yeah, the line. <laughs> I mean, I, I I come from a running background. It's where um, I mean, I was a triathlete yeah. for a, a little while, um, but I just got bored of the swimming um, aspect of it, as well as um, I had a heap of not only clients but friends get hit off um, bikes, and so I was just like. I don't need my wife getting a phone yeah. call that I'm uh, being peeled off the road somewhere from a bike ride. And yeah. so I was like, yeah, I'll just stick to my running. I love my running, but the idea of sitting on one of those ski goes for any longer than 42 seconds, I reckon uh, that's me done. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I, I wish I could love running, but it's just uh, I'm 105 kilos done both my knees. It's maybe I'll uh, need to drop about 10 kilos before I start running too much. <laughs> yeah, it's uh that's uh, certainly a big frame. How tall are you at 105 kilos, did you say? Uh, 185. Okay, so a big guy to be running, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm five foot eight and I, um, I'm a bit heavier these days because I'm spending much more time in the water and trying to get as strong as I possibly can for the water. I'm not running as much, but um, but yeah, I'm usually uh, you know, 72, 75 kilos kind of range. So it uh, makes it a bit easier to kind of float across the ground. Yeah, like through COVID, I was getting into running a bit and I was getting up to about 40 k's a week. And it was just like my body was just not liking it all. Yeah, the um, I have to say though, I I've never been more sore than I have been from body surfing, um, because there's so much more that I pull into and stay into than I would when I'm normally when I was you know, surfing in any particular way. I'd, I'd pull yeah. off the wave much earlier. I'd get out of you know yeah. a closeout coming in, but now I find myself just wanting to stay in and seeing that lip go over my head and going, oh, this is going to be a great barrel and then just exploding onto the sandbar underneath and yeah, my back and my shoulders and just like I'm perpetually sore these days from um, body surfing and yet I love it and I I can't get enough of it. Yeah, it's a bit of chiropractic work for free. Absolutely. (laughs) And um, so, I mean, what's what's a usual week kind of look like? I mean, how's the surf been this winter for you? Um, Are you able to get into the water as often as you can or...? Yeah, it's pretty good. Like uh, the past two years have been pretty shocking as I wasn't able to really leave my house too much because of all the regulations and stuff. Yeah. We weren't within five kilometers of a breaking beach. Um, so when that all changed up, I decided that I would move to a place that was within walking distance of a beach. Perfect. <laughs> um, and so we moved down to the rule, which is like, uh, maybe an hour south of Sydney. Okay. And um, 
and yeah, it's been really good. The surf's been good. It's super quiet down here. There's not too many people in the water. Um, and then I can still go up to Sydney for my main breaks, which I enjoy body surfing at. And I'm even taking the board out here as well and surfing a bit. And it's been really good. Yeah, I've been mean, talking to another guy who's out, uh, who I see routinely in the where I'm normally body surfing. And um, he, during winter time, he loves to get his um, surfboard out. And I've never been a surfer, but my wife's been constantly, she's like, I, I think we should grab a surfboard. I think, you know, just something just to have to maybe yeah. learn to kind of surf. And so he's been telling me I should get um, a fish board as yeah. a beginning, as a beginner type board. Um, yep. whether that's right or wrong. I mean, you could probably tell me more about surfing than uh, I know because I, I know literally nothing. But we're looking at getting um, something like that to just – just when it comes into summertime, obviously swells tend to die down a bit during summertime. And so um, look at some of the smaller stuff to catch, um, you know, surf on rather than body surf. Yeah. Yeah. During summer too. Yep. We find that um, a couple of the places up here you can surf if it's a soft board, so they're quite versatile. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And can those fish boards be soft softies as well, or you can get softies that are fishes as well. Okay. I'll uh, I'll have a look around and uh, see what we get. And uh, I mean anything. I'm I've always said that. What's that sign? You know, a bad day golfing is better than the best day working kind of thing. And like, I think anytime I'm in the water, I don't care if it's been a shitty day and I only caught one or two waves, or it's been a cracking day. I'm I've, there's something magical about being in ocean water rather than yeah. like even in a swimming pool. I still feel like I'm in a bit of a cage, kind of going up and down the black oh, yeah. line. Like, so I, yeah, like growing up, being in the pool so much, like. I try to avoid them as much as possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in the ocean. Um, just that chlorine, just definitely over it. Bit of PTSD from the uh, years yeah. of going up and down the yeah. line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Waking up at like 4.30 to go to the pool every day. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, mate, I appreciate, I appreciate the chat. And as I said, um, this show's just being more and more just about having conversations with people and kind of learning what they do for their lives and uh, how they keep themselves busy. And uh, I appreciate your time as well today, no mate, and um, having that conversation with us. And um, I, people will know I used to have a quick fire five that I used to ask um, the same questions over and over. And I thought yeah. going into this new one, um, new kind of way of doing the podcast, I'd love a, a new set of questions or a new way of kind of finishing it off. And I heard someone ask this question the other day and I'd love to hear it because it kind of goes with the branding of what I'm trying to do moving forward. But if you don't mind me asking the question, it's like, if you had a free day to yourself, how would you spend it? Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely spend most of it in the water, in the ocean. Um, like a bit of a workout as well, whether it's lifting weights or doing a ski erg. And then just eating good food. I'm like, not super into dieting at all. So whether it's burgers, pizzas, <laughs> and, then, and then a couple of beers with the boys to finish it off. Mate, sounds like a cracking day. And uh, as I said, if I ever get over the East Coast, I'd love to just uh, tap into your DMs again and uh, see if there's a wave going around. I'd love to catch one with you. Yeah, definitely. Well, mate, Nick, I appreciate your time again today and I appreciate the chat. And um, yeah, that's been another episode of uh, Let's Talk. I can't even remember what I'm calling this podcast anyway, because it used to be Let's Talk Fast and I think it's less just talk or something like that. So whatever I'm calling it these days, people will know. But um, shout out, where, where can people reach you or the Cat Harness, mate? Just give um, give some details for people listening in. Yeah, so 
Just uh, head to my Instagram, which is Nick Brabot, N-I-C-K-B-R-B-O-T. Or if you want to check out the Cat Harnesses, it's Cat Harness Australia. You'll find that on Instagram, TikTok, or, or Google. Awesome, mate. Well, um, yeah, I hope people do reach out if um, they're looking at uh, getting themselves a cat harness. And I see more and more people uh, out there walking their cats and, as said, I guess restraining them and still giving them that enjoyment outside. So that'd be great. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having us on. Anytime, mate. Well, I appreciate that. And, um, yeah, guys, I'll be back next week. Talk to you all then. Bye.